Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. Hey, Jeremiah, what have you been baking? I've been baking with you. (laughs) We got to see each other in real life. It was awesome. It was so awesome. And it's just crazy that we haven't actually really baked together since just about the show, really. You helped me fold Eaton Mess at my house in Atlanta. That's true. That was pretty minimal. So Minimal but magical. Minimal but magical. Ooh, that's a great phrase. I love that. <laughs> so what did we bake? Let's tell everyone what because if you don't follow us on social media, which you should, you'll know what you'll know what we baked. But in case you don't, this is what we baked. What did we bake? Well, so we kind of like baked all the stuff because we both, of course, so funny. Like we always joke that we share a brain and it's like Of course, we both baked for each other beforehand. So I made a lemon tart to have here for when you guys got here. And then you showed up with all these amazing bakes. And uh, well, tell everybody what you made for me. Well, first of all, the lemon tart was the dot best dot lemon dot tart ever. Exclamation point into the (laughs) universe. Like, like I'm making it this week and I'm going to have a bite and give the rest to my grandmother. But because I'm, you know, doing my 30 days of, you know what that was about, but, um, it was the best lemon tart. So delicious. And okay. So I brought you some stage donata because, well, what you guys them. have heard about on here, it's this this really beautiful flaky pastry that's like spiral shaped, which is amazing. Cool. That cool. creates a little cup to hold the egg custard that then gets blistered on top. If you haven't had it, seek them out. Make Jeremiah's recipe Make or find recipe. a place. Yeah, get get these in your mouth. And then I made masa sovada, which is this Azorian Portuguese sweet bread that's so near and dear to my heart, and we talk about it from time to time on the podcast. And then our guest, Maria Lawton, who was early in season one, I made her mom's recipe, which I had never made this a recipe so rich and wet. It was like cake batter, but it was bread. And so it did kind of have a cake texture. It was really fun for me to try and to bring to, to you and your family. But we both really had a lot of bread on the, the brain because you also had some bread we items did. going on. Yeah, so then we made a loaf of brioche where we kind of did this really cool knotting technique. And the brioche brioche dough that we used was from Zoe Bakes' book, The Celebration Bread in Five, and, which is another flower, our guest. You see, we're heavily influenced. Um, we get messages <laughs> often from people saying, oh, I'm buying a lot of cookbooks now because I'm listening. Well, we are right there with you doing the yep. same. We're accumulating all these great recipes, and it's really fun to bake the recipes of people that we've gotten to chat with. So we made a loaf of brioche. And then because of how this bread is made, the recipe that they give is you have enough to make three or four loaves, depending on what you're making. So we made a loaf of brioche bread. And then the next morning I made cinnamon rolls from the same dough in a cast iron skillet and put the sour cream frosting on there. So decadent. Really good. I'll toot my own horn there. They were awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were all going back for multiple <laughs> servings. It was divine. 
And then my sourdough starter got on the plane with me and made it safely to your house. And we spent, yeah, the whole weekend doing sourdough steps. And then yesterday, which was Sunday, we had two beautiful, beautiful, I think the best loaves that I've ever been a part of making. Um, they were delicious. Teamwork makes the dream work. It makes the bread work, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was so delicious though. I don't know. Maybe it's just that we've got some uh, Sacramento yeast in there now and LA yeah. yeast. It's like a full California sourdough. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Is that all we did? That was a lot. It was, and we ate out. We went to Mr. Holmes Bakehouse. We oh, went and so had fun. like a Mexican breakfast and we went for pizza. And I mean, and there's like the theme of carbs running through all of this, as I, I say, because we had the chilaquiles and we had like, it's all, it's all so great. And now back to, back to reality, right? <laughs> yeah. Back to no carbs, <laughs> which is fine, which is fine. It was fun to push pause and have a really lovely fun celebrate celebratory weekend. But, but the fun continues. Cause now I want to go make a big old batch of biscuits. I don't know yes, about you, ma'am. sir. Oh yeah. If I could, I would, and I will, I'll just give them away. <laughs> oh, don't make me sad. It's okay. It's okay. Goals. <laughs> Hashtag goals. Notice the silence after all that. I so, am. all right. So this is our biscuit episode, which is something we've wanted to do. Cause we do, we kind of like talk about the different episodes we want to have in this season. We were like, we have to have a biscuit episode. And then hand in hand with that, it's like, if we're going to have a biscuit episode, we have to have Carrie from Callie's hot little biscuits. Cause we're just big fans. You've just had them recently, right? Yes. And you'll hear me talk about that with Carrie. It was just over New Year's. I was so excited to be in Charleston and get to dive into her shop and try a little bit of everything. It was, yeah, remarkable, totally delicious. And she has a few locations. One is in Atlanta. So while I was living there, my family, we would go have biscuits. It's it's kind of strange. Like sometimes I go, why did we do that? It's like, well, because they were so delicious. Cause I make a lot of biscuits at home, but then it's nice to have somebody else's bakes. I think probably all bakers can identify with that as it's fun to make something. And then it's fun to try other people's bakes and her biscuits are just so divine. We talk a lot about how they are, but they just melt in your mouth. They're, they're awesome. She's biscuit royalty to me, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. And I know we have listeners from all over, so we need to be clear. These are Southern biscuits. They Ooh, are. good point. Yeah. They are not um, the British version of a cookie. They're not crisp and snappy. They are fluffy and, well, they have a lot of iterations, as we'll learn with Carrie, but they're divine and fluffy. And I keep saying divine because there is a type of biscuit called an angel biscuit, which she'll <laughs> teach us about. <laughs> <laughs> so please enjoy all things biscuits. Carrie, welcome to flower hour. Thank you. Thanks y'all for having me. Hi, Carrie. We're so excited to have you. So it's Carrie of Callie's Hot Little Biscuit. And I thought we should start there just so our listeners can get to know you and then also know that we're not calling you by the wrong name because you're Carrie, but your business is Callie's. So can you tell us who is Callie? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a good Southerner, so we like to name 
all of our families the same name and then we give each other nicknames. So that that that's the backstory. But basically my mom is Callie and we are all Carolines, my grandmother, my mother, myself, and my oldest daughter. And so in order to not get it mixed up, we had to all have nicknames. So Callie is the creator of the original ham biscuit, which is why I wanted to start the business because she was known or is still known for her country ham biscuits. And 15 years ago, I went to her while watching her make biscuits one day and I said, you know, we should really try to sell these. I mean, everybody goes crazy for them and you won't sell them unless you cater a party and she said, well, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Who would buy these things? <laughs> so that's how it started with a lot of poking and prodding and me convincing her that she had a good uh, product that we needed to share with the rest of the world. So hence the name Callie's Biscuits. Now, you said something already that I'm already curious about because, I mean, I grew up in the West Coast in California, and I love biscuits, and when I visited the South, I can't get enough of them, but I don't know a lot about them. You called a hand biscuit. What does that mean? I mean, obviously, it's something you hold in your hand, but are there different types of biscuits? Well, it's obviously my Southern accent. I was saying ham, (laughs) H-A-M. Ham! You know, ham. It's like we say bowl peanuts, which I realized when I lived in New York, everybody thought I was saying B-U-L-L peanuts when I was saying boiled. <laughs> and I guess I say ham, and it might sound like ham. So country ham is is ham gotcha. that has been cured in salt. It is not cooked, and um, it is very savory. So we, my mom has always made a cheese, a sharp cheddar biscuit, and then we slice it down the center, put a whipped Dijon mustard butter in the center, and chopped country ham so that you get bites of ham in every bite as opposed to a slice of ham, which is a very southern typical cocktail party um, hors d'oeuvre where you would take a bite out and the whole piece of ham comes out and you're standing at a cocktail party with a piece of ham in your mouth (laughs) hanging out of your mouth and a biscuit with no ham which is a problem on many levels and then you know it's not very ladylike to have ham hanging out of your mouth so (laughs) my mom created the updated distinctly different more um easy to eat chopped country ham biscuit and that's so smart yeah. Like as you're talking, I'm going, I was like, before you even said it, I'm going like, I've been this person at a party yeah. who bites it and the whole slice comes with you or you stand there awkwardly, awkwardly, like gnawing to make sure you get a good cut. Uh-huh. And that, that's kind of weird too. So this chopped is brilliant. But between that and growing up eating only chopped country ham biscuits, and then my mother is insistent upon always peeling tomatoes for tomato sandwiches because the same thing can happen when you eat a tomato sandwich. And if you haven't had a peeled tomato sandwich, it's much easier to eat than if you have the peel on because the same thing happens. The whole piece of tomato comes out. So um, we always peel our tomatoes and we always chop our ham. So smart. So smart. <laughs> So I we when we map out our season for Flower Hour, we we made we made a list of the types of episodes we'd want to have. And I was like, we have to have a biscuit episode. That's something, you know, everyone loves and we should all learn more about. And Amanda was like, we have to have Callie. And so we're so excited to have you. And then when I was in Charleston for the New Year's, I was so excited to finally get to try your biscuits because I knew we were gonna try to, you know, see if you would be willing to 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 come on. 
And I had the ham biscuit and I loved it. And then I had the, um, the blackberry jam filled one. And I can't tell you, I just dream about that biscuit all day long, like (laughs) all day long. It's just the best. Um, so yeah, it was such a treat to be able to, to eat your, your biscuits before getting to talk to you. Well, thank you. I, I am so glad that you like them and that they were well received. And the, the, the shortcake, it's a shortcake biscuit, so it's a little different than our other buttermilk-based biscuits. But I love it because it's like a cross between a pound cake and a biscuit with a mm-hmm. texture of the turbinado sugar on top. And then that great blackberry jam mm. makes it pretty perfect. Well, before we get into all the specifics and techniques, and can you te- can you give us some biscuit history? Like, yeah. you, how did biscuits evolve in the South? Oh my gosh! Well, I don't know that I am um, a biscuit historian. That is not necessarily my area. I can just tell you, in my forty six years of life, I rarely, growing up, had a meal without biscuits. And it, I should I should preface that by saying that biscuits for for me growing up were much more about the, the, the lunch and the dinner menu. I mean, we had breakfast biscuits, but they were usually left over from the night before. So while I feel like this, my whole business is built around at least hot little biscuit around having biscuits for breakfast. I grew up with biscuits coming hot out of the oven at the lunch meal and at the dinner meal. Um, and then poking my finger through the center of them for a dessert and filling it up with maple syrup for, for an after dinner meal. (laughs) So, um, and and we did have biscuits for breakfast, but it was definitely more of a, 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 the bread of, of our table. So uh, my grandmother made them for every meal. She made a big batch. She made angel biscuits. So that's a cross between, um, a self-rising biscuit and, and a yeast biscuit. And the dough lasts in the in the refrigerator for days and she just would pinch it off and throw it in either a skillet or even a cake pan. Like she was not particular about how she baked them and she never measured. And I just would watch her take her four fingers and, and put it in the jar of of bacon fat or whatever the fat was. And never did we have buttermilk. That would be way too expensive. We always had probably some kind of skim milk because that was what she could afford and never measured that and just poured and, and, and mixed and, and there you have it. So I think that's my favorite thing about biscuits is that they speak to everyone, no matter the, you know, whether you're serving them at the finest of cocktail parties or superstars weddings. Um, they're also for people um, that just need sustenance and are looking to have something carry them to the next meal and, and, and keep them full. So it's, it doesn't really have, there's no economic um, barriers with biscuits. I think they speak to everyone, which I love because I grew up um, in a very different way than I live now and very modest. And, and I've seen it used in all applications, which I think is nice. I just think it's the bread of the South. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Very, we've just done an, an episode about inclusive baking and biscuits certainly embody that like they're for everyone. Just it's whoever you are. And it's a great way to feed yourself and a delicious way to feed yourself. Um, is that how you started baking with biscuits? Was that your first brush with it or did you start somewhere else? Um, I actually did not start baking biscuits until I started the business because my grandmother never, asked me to help her. I was there watching her, but it was, that was her job. And she would probably no more give that to anyone else than fly to the moon. 
um, and this was my grandmother on my father's side. She was, um, she was a mother to five boys and umpteen grandchildren. And I can remember her in a very, very small house, putting on a house coat every morning and never really getting out of it except for to go to the grocery store and, or to a roadside market to, to pick up. She lived on Johns Island, which is a very rural, or was at the time, a very rural area in Charleston. But um, her job was to feed everyone, and and that is, and she took it very seriously. And never did I ever go over there where there wasn't always something on the stove, whether it was a pot of rice or butter beans that had been slow simmered, um, and like a the percolating coffee pot. It was always on. It just she had an open door policy, and people came and went and ate every time they they walk through the door and grab something on the way out to take with them. So, um, and it was very humble, humble food and, you know, bologna fried and the leftover bacon fat and, you know, processed cheese on white bread, toasted cheese, um, and always biscuits. So it was very, very simple food, but had so much love and, and so much care. And, and I think that's really where I found my initial love for, for food, for all things Southern and just the gift that you, or that I think I have for feeding and entertaining people. I mean, it's just the way that I speak to people. So it just seemed like a natural fit when I started searching about what I wanted to really do with my life. And my mom made a biscuit on a whole nother level. I mean, she was catering Reese Witherspoon's wedding and serving these cocktail ham biscuits. And it was in a very elevated setting. And so, um, I think that biscuits have always spoken to me. I just didn't know it. And then when I put those two together and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is, this is something that everybody loves and we need to share it. So when was the first time you actually made a biscuit? What was that experience like? Oh my, I mean, by myself on, yeah. I mean, or with your family. Yeah. I mean, I think I grew up like, uh, I don't even know that I remember the first time I made a biscuit, mm. except for that. I remember making them with mom when we started the business and my first, and I, and I've grown up cooking my whole life, but I remember being in that kitchen and thinking this is miserable. <laughs> this is definitely not what I want to do. And I had a big struggle with it because although I wanted to, to own a biscuit business and, and this was my way of, you have to, I'm back up a little bit. So I was, I had an eight month old at the time when I came up with the idea to, to wrangle my mother into going into business with me. And all I wanted to do was have a, have a career in food because I knew that was what I was passionate about. But I also, my number one priority was to be a mom. And so I wanted to figure out a way to have a stay at home food business while raising my children. And so that's why I wanted to start this biscuit business that was going to be sold only through the internet. And I was going to be able to, we were going to make, I was going to get my mom to make them and I was going to market them and ship them. And that was the initial plan. Um, and, you know, at, in 2005, nobody was buying food on the internet. So <laughs> I didn't really think that part through, but slowly, but surely we started to gain a following. And so when we started to get really busy, she's like, you got to get in here with me and make these biscuits. And we would be in, in a shared like rented space kitchen for 12 hours 
on a Saturday and, and we would end up making like 3000 biscuits and it would take us 12 hours. And I thought, Oh my God, what have we gotten ourselves into? This is the worst idea ever. And now we're in it. And what are we going to do? And you know, my mom was kind of the, saying the same thing. Like, this is not what I want to do. Why, what are we doing? Stop <laughs> taking orders. Why are we doing all these orders? I don't want to make any more biscuits. And I'm like, you have to make the biscuits. I'm getting the orders. <laughs> so, um, the first couple of years were definitely a struggle to try to figure out how to make it work. And I, I think for me, I was looking at it from, I'm going to run the business. I'm going to be the marketer. I'm going to be the salesperson. I just need you to make them and freeze them and I will sell them. It really wasn't her dream though. You know, she was like, I, yeah, I mean, take the recipe, whatever. This is not what I want to do. And I don't think my mom had um, any interest in building a, a baking team and teaching them and, and, you know, running a bakery. And so I think we had gotten on the today show, made biscuits with Hoda and Kathy Lee had more orders than we could know what to do with. And she finally said to me, you know, this is not my idea of a good time. I want to retire and spend half my year in Napa Valley. And this is not what I want to do. You take on this project. You're doing great. And, sayonara is basically what she said. <laughs> she didn't say it like that, but you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was really when I had to dig in and learn the art of biscuit making. And you want to talk about being scared. I was terrified because, you know, we started the business with her. She, that was her expertise and I was doing my expertise, but it took me, I'd say about four months. I, I went in and baked all the time with, with the bakers that we had, which was a motley crew of college age boys that were my brother's friends that I quickly realized there was a more efficient way to do it and bless their hearts. They were wonderful. But, um, you know, it, it made me even more interested in, okay, well now I know how to make the biscuits like the back of my hand. And this wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And now I'm truly loving it. And I don't even want to go sit down at my computer because I, this is freeing for me. I am solving the world's problems over making biscuits. And, and, and I'm, the thing about making biscuits is, is there's immediate gratification because you work, 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 work. And then thousands of biscuits come out of the oven. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so great. This is all in a day's work. Um, so, and it, it, it all worked out beautifully, but I just had to, I had to dig in and, and kind of step outside my comfort zone and learn it. And I'm, I've never been more glad that I was pushed to do that in my life because it made me understand everything about what's so great about making biscuits and, and, and how to be productive when doing it. And, and I mean, so many other things therapy. It's great therapy, making biscuits with a bunch of people. You, you really can figure out what you want to serve your family for dinner, how to discipline your children and solve all <laughs> the, um, husband wife problems that you could more than you could ever imagine. Cause you're just in such close quarters in our bakery, it's eight or nine people working together and you're, you know, across the, a table from them and you're constantly working. So it's inevitable that you're, it's a family. It's such a wild ride. Like what a, a grand adventure. I'm glad you kind of gave us some of the behind the scenes. Cause like my perspective on, on Callie's biscuits is just like walking in and enjoying this fluffy biscuit. I think it's always cool to hear like all of like what goes into it, like the relationship between you and your mom and then having the motley crew and then, and the experience of working with all these people. It's really cool to hear 
the backstory. I'll be thinking about that now when I go to Atlanta and eat the biscuits again. (laughs) Um, Before, so we got a ton, we received a ton of listener questions for you, but before we dive into those, I love really fast, just kind of like a quick description for people who haven't had your biscuits. Can you describe the Cali biscuit and just um, just cause there's so many different biscuits. I feel like they're yeah. like chocolate chip cookies to say biscuit is, it doesn't fully give the full picture. Can you give them a quick description? Yeah. So we like to say that our biscuits are more tender and, uh, buttery and almost cakey, not flaky. So a lot of people that make biscuits, laminate the dough and fold and fold and fold to get the layers, which we love those kinds of biscuits. It's one of my favorite indulgences, but here at Callie's, we literally add the liquid and add a lot of it and keep it super moist. And then we use more dry flour to manipulate the dough to get it out of the bowl and barely touch it with a rolling pin and stamp from there. So it is like a down pillow. So our biscuits, when we are stamping them out, they're almost hard to, to even get out of the stamper onto the tray. And they are just, um, it's like a down pillow. It's, it's melts in your mouth. It's just a very different texture. It's, my biscuits should be a little crunchy on the top and then melt in your mouth in the center because the dough has been almost untouched. We really try not to do any sort of kneading or folding anything like that to toughen up the dough. So very different than, than a traditional like grand flaky layered biscuit. Yeah. They're so snuggly. They are so, so (laughs) snuggly. I love that. Can you teach us too? You've already mentioned what angel biscuits are. Are there other types that we should be aware about in our, in this biscuit education? Oh my gosh. There's so many more than really? I probably even know, but I definitely, you know, you have the, the laminated biscuit, you have the mm-hmm. machine made biscuit, which is going to produce a very tough biscuit. We have a beaten biscuit, which is indicative of usually like in the Kentucky areas. And there's even a machine that you roll this dough through and you poke holes in it. I I would describe it almost like a cracker, but it's called a beaten biscuit where you have just folded and folded and folded the dough. And I'm pretty sure that the history behind that is that would be what the soldiers would take almost like hard tack in their pockets when they were um, going out. Um, And that was like their snack. Um, so, uh, you know, who makes those is, uh, biscuit love in Nashville. He, he does beaten biscuits and he's got an antique machine, which is pretty cool. So I just, we, we love to hear all about the different ways that people make biscuits. You can do drop biscuits where you don't do anything, but just pull the dough and drop it on a pan. Um, there's just so many different ways. And we just say, we don't really care how you're making them, just make them and make them by hand. Um, so it's, it's really up to you how you want to do it. It's just getting in there and, and doing the dirty work and the messy work of experimenting with it. I ate a lot of Bisquick biscuits growing up and my mom called them, my mom called them cathead biscuits and she would just scoop out like a big old handful of it. And so we had these big monster cathead Bisquick biscuits. So good. (laughs) I love Bisquick. Bisquick is delicious. I had my fair share of Bisquick too. And catheads are very indicative usually of like the North Carolina area. They do big biscuits there. And so, yeah, definitely had plenty of catheads. All right. So we have a lot of good questions about flour, which is kind of like the backbone of the biscuit. So let's Mm -hmm. get in there. 
So the first question is from Lynn Mandy, and they say, I'm from South Carolina where white lily flower is king for biscuits, but now I live in Vancouver, Canada, where there is no white lily and my biscuits just aren't as good. I feel like I need a sound effect there, like, so sad. (laughs) And they ask, what can I do? So do you have any tips for Lynn Mandy. She she needs to get on that thing called Amazon and order her some white lily flower (laughs) stack. Just get it. Yes. I mean, I I wish I had, um, I mean, she can order our biscuit mix too, which has white lily flower in it. Um, that's always a good, um, not substitute. It is white lily flower, but I think that I have been searching for 14 years, not that I'm unhappy with white lily, but I, I agree. I, I have yet to find, and I'm always looking because I, I love to, to try flowers all the time, and I'm always looking to try to find a flower that's better because I got that question all the time when I was on my book tour. What, what if I can't get white lily? You can't get it. Well, you can with Amazon, but you can't get it in grocery stores um, really outside of the southeast, so it is definitely an issue. Um, so we, we have always said, if you can't get it, don't make them wait until you can get it. I hate to say that, but you can always order ours and we make it with that. <laughs> so this definitely answers the next question, which is from me, Cole. And she asks, or he asks, is there really a difference between flower from the South versus everywhere in terms of tenderness? But there is, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think as far as white lily flower goes, you're going to get, your biscuit's going to rise higher. To me, the t- it's a taste thing too. I mean, you're definitely going to get a higher rising biscuit. They're going to be more tender because of that soft winter wheat, but the taste of the white lily flower, specifically the self-rising, which I get a lot of, um, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say snubs, but I do, I can see when people kind of give me the eye about why am I using self-rising? Well, it certainly isn't because I'm not able to add my own leavening because I do that all the time when I'm making everything else that needs leavening like cakes. But, you know, they have done an incredible job of perfectly including that leavening so you don't taste it. So texture and taste are super important to me with everything, but especially with a biscuit. And I do not want to taste any aluminum I don't want to taste anything that tastes like a pencil and you get that a lot with scones or that's usually my first telltale sign of when I take taste somebody else's biscuit and I know they've made it with all purpose flour because it's just almost impossible. It doesn't matter how much you sift to get rid of that tinny aluminum pencil aftertaste. It's so interesting because I'm having thoughts that I haven't had in years. Like as you're talking, I'm remembering as a little girl, my mom would always dump our flower bags into different containers and she had an all-purpose container and then she had one for the self-rising flour. And when she didn't use Bisquick, that was like, we just called it, that was the biscuit flour. And so I'm wondering like if that's her purpose in doing that, I'm going to have to ask my mom, why did we use self-rising flour when the same as you, like, like you said, she was perfectly capable of adding baking powder, baking soda, like she could do that, but that was how we did biscuits. So yeah. huh, interesting taste. 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 Okay. So next question here is from fine spun cakes and that's cakes with two S's at the end. Um, let's see. She says, what are her favorite flour combinations for making biscuits? So Do you ever veer from that white lily flower and do, you know, like a a mix or something or no? No. 
No. I do not fix what is broken. As there of you yet. Go. <laughs> no, I do. I do test other flowers. I mean, we have some. We have an Adelou flower company here in South Carolina. I'm always testing that flower. We've tested King Arthur because they just came out with a self-rising flower, and I'm just curious. I want to know, like, because yeah, I I'm still in awe that nobody has nobody else has <laughs> figured this out. But um, as of as of now, I'm. I am a white lily girl, so we don't really test. We don't make for production, really, anything else at this point. And then our next question, we don't even need yeah. to ask, do we? But we must because it's Give Southern Fatty. Out. Yeah, we just love Southern Fatty so much. And he <laughs> said, what is your favorite biscuit flower? Don't do the Southern boy wrong. So uh, <laughs> loud and clear, it's white Our lily. Southern Fatty, <laughs> it is white lily all the way, 100%. Thank you to Subi Honey for sponsoring this episode of Flower Hour. The next time you're baking, consider skipping the sugar and substituting it for honey. But not just any kind. Try using the traditional filtered Subi Honey or Aunt Sue's raw and unfiltered honey. Both are a great alternative for sugar. For starters, you can use a third less honey than sugar when you bake, which means you're reducing calories. And different kinds can add different flavors, like Subi's orange honey or Aunt Sue's wildflower honey. Plus, when you use Subi honey or Aunt Sue's, you're guaranteed pure, premium USA honey that's tested for the highest quality in purity, clarity, and flavor. How do they ensure this quality? Because all of their honey is produced by the 270 independent family beekeepers who make up the Sioux Honey Association Co-op. The co-op started nearly 100 years ago, and to this day, they still know all of the beekeepers by name. Because they believe it's not just where your honey comes from that matters, it's who. So the next time you're baking, Pick up a bottle of Sue B or Aunt Sue's at your favorite supermarket or shop for honey online at suebee.com. That's S-U-E-B-E-E.com. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's talk about fat. Fat, Yay. my favorite fat. word. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I had a dog named Butter before I started my biscuit business. It was de- oh, I wow. was destined for this for this job. Um, well, I I think I mentioned this earlier. My grandmother on my father's side never could afford butter. So we never had a butter biscuit, but we always had either Crisco or whatever the, the non name brand shortening was or leftover bacon slash sausage slash bologna fat, whatever had been fried in the pan and kept in the old coffee can next to the stove is what the fat was used there. And, I actually love a, like a Crisco biscuit. It gets so crispy and crunchy. But when we started the business, we changed the recipe from using a shortening to butter because back then that was not something that you would put on an ingredients list. You know, little did we know if we could have figured out how to render that fat and 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 multitude and and use it now, people would go crazy for it. But um, we just serve gravy instead alongside of our butter biscuits. So we only use butter, but we also use, you know, biscuits require a flour, a fat, and a liquid. So just three things, but almost all of our biscuits, except for our shortcake, we include a second fat and we add cream cheese. 
So that's a little tidbit. And it's not required, but we like how the tanginess, my mom always liked how the tanginess of the cream cheese mixed so well with the buttermilk. And that's been our little secret. It's not really Was a that something you, you as a family innovated? Like, did she come up with that? Or she is that did. something you'll find? As, as far as cool. I know, she did that. She's always made them with cream cheese. And we don't incorporate the cream cheese as much into the flour. So it gets incorporated after the butter. And you should be able to see little chunks of cream cheese, if you're really lucky, in our biscuits when you eat them. Because we try to make it so that some little pieces stay. Um, and they're not, like... It's not finely grated Parmesan cheese-like, like we do the butter. It's our little insurance policy that you're getting an extra decadent biscuit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we had a question from, oh gosh, Amanda, help me. These B88? Or the SB88? I don't know. Sometimes you can't better, tell please. if screen names are words or just combinations of letters. Thesby <laughs> or the SP. I don't know. Anyway, but they wanted to know butter versus shortening, which is better for biscuits. So you kind of explained like that crispiness of the shortening is nice, but then butter mm -hmm. is something different too. And then they're not the yeah. only, it's fat. not a war. Maybe yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it depends on what you want. Well, and, and I should have told you, we use salted butter and I love the taste of the salted butter. And so even though we might not have as crispy of a top because we don't use the shortening, the way I eat my own biscuits is once they come out of the oven, I like to brush them liberally with butter, melted butter, and then put it back in the oven for a couple minutes. And then it gets so crunchy and salty butter flavor. It's just to eat a buttermilk biscuit that way, put it back in the oven with melted butter is just divine. So yum. Oh my. Mm. <laughs> well, perfect. Let's talk about the liquids you can use in a biscuit. At Sunday Baking wants to know what is your favorite liquid, and do you have a recipe for vegan and or gluten-free biscuits? Uh, well, we love full-fat buttermilk, which is a little bit hard to find. You can find it in grocery stores in small quantities, but I think if you're making biscuits at home, I would definitely go for the full-fat buttermilk. I just love that tang. So that's my favorite. Um, I have... We actually had one of our bakers make us a vegan biscuit, I would say, within the last year, and I was terrified to put it in my mouth. Isn't that so strange? I was scared, <laughs> like a five-year-old would be scared to taste broccoli. I just thought, this cannot taste good, and I just don't want to do it, and it actually was delicious, and I can't even remember now what she made it with, but I want to say it was like applesauce or something like that. It was something fruity, and I was surprisingly shocked. So that is my only vegan experience with a biscuit. And as far as the gluten biscuits, that is a goal of mine for 2019 is to make gluten-free biscuits because we get that request almost every week. And I keep telling White Lily, I really wish you would make me a gluten-free flour, please. And they haven't done it yet. So we've been experimenting with some other flours. I do love the cup for cup flour. And I've been talking to those guys about maybe making me a self-rising version because I want them to include the leavening because I want it to not taste that aluminum taste. But I haven't convinced them yet because I'm just a small little operation here. So they don't really think. <laughs> I don't think I have enough power to get them to do that. But we have been testing it. And one of our locations has been selling them special order. So you never know. It is a goal of mine. We might, we might actually be able to come out 
with one on our product line before, I don't know, maybe 2020 would be more realistic. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. They're, they're very different biscuits. I don't know if this person has made a gluten-free biscuit. It is, it is foreign to me. But the people that were eating them and buying them seem to love them. So we'll see. That's exciting. I feel like biscuits are a challenging item to make in a gluten-free way. Like some things are pretty easy to translate, but a really, really fluffy biscuit to mimic that with, with something else would be super challenging. So I hope you guys crack it. Yeah. It's not fluffy. It's very heavy. Um, but I think, you know, if you don't get to eat the biscuits the other way, you don't know, you don't know what to compare it to. So I think, you know, people that don't eat gluten, they need biscuits too. We got to help them out. For sure. <laughs> biscuits for all. Okay. Right. So next liquid question is from sugar underscore addict. And they ask, do you have to use buttermilk or could you use regular milk or dairy free options? That's a great question. Yeah. You can use any liquid. You could use water. You could use Coca-Cola. I've seen recipes for just about anything wow. you can think of. Sprite, that was one that I saw not too long ago. I have personally never made biscuits with that. But like I said, my grandmother never would never buy. She couldn't afford full-fat milk or buttermilk. She always used skim milk. Um, so I would say once you get down the basics and it's the good flour, pick your favorite fat, pick whatever liquid you want. It's more about the knowing when to move on to the next step, not messing with the dough too much, making sure you add enough liquid. If you're making a biscuit like Callie's makes, um, it's about the technique more than anything. And I always say that biscuits kind of break the rules of baking because, you know, we don't do a lot of measuring and our liquid measure is something that varies greatly depending on the weather. And so even on the back of our biscuit mix, we had to put a variation of liquid because it, it really can vary and you have to really know what you want it, the end result to be. If your if your dough looks like something like bread dough, like that I would make a loaf of bread at home and you could just plop the dough out, then you don't have enough liquid to make a Cali's biscuit. So we like wetty dough, really heavy. Oh my gosh, I've added you want to look at that dough and go, ooh, I think I need to I must have missed a step. Did I not add enough flour? Is that wet? That's the consistency we like. Because then you can add flour to the outside and then get it out onto the surface and stamp it with little to no messing with it. I think this is perfect. I think you've really answered our next listener question, which is really about ratios. What are the best ratios when creating the perfect biscuit? Yeah, I, I think ratios are, you kind of have to, like I said, break, break all the baking rules and don't put your measures down and, and use the touch and feel and and once you get that down, then you can kind of experiment with any and all liquids and fats. I like the Sounds idea like that you can kind of play with it too. Like, like that you're saying, you know, you get it down and then you can go from there. So there's w quick and easy ways to riff on it. Oh, that question, by the way, was by L Hilton for b just a quick shout out to them. Okay. So our next section of questions are all about technique which is great because you're saying, if you know, like when to move to the next step. So we'll probably start to cover some of that here. 
this first one is about flaky biscuits. So it's from Nick Bryan. Hi, Nick. He's, he's been on the show before. So he says, what's the best technique for layers? What's the best technique for layers? I do a rough puff sort of folds and it's nice, but I want more. Oh, I want to know what a rough puff is. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so please tell me, um, we, you know, we don't make a flaky biscuit. I have made them. Um, I actually just made a, a test for a customer, um, out West. Cause I think everybody from, that's not from the South thinks when they think of a biscuit, they think of like the can that you pop and it's the layers and they talk about all the layers. And so every, every non-Southerner thinks that that is the biscuit that you got to the, the layers and there's nothing wrong with that. But the more layers you try to get, the tougher your biscuit is. So, and, and it, it's great. It's a great biscuit for if you're making a sandwich biscuit because it holds up, you know, it's going to stand up. I, I prefer biscuits that kind of disintegrate in your mouth and, and, and melt in your mouth and, and aren't necessarily standing up and I could like take it like a sandwich, but you just need to keep folding. So, you know, you roll out your dough and then you fold and then you turn and you fold and you turn and you fold and you can roll it out more. And I mean, the sky's the limit. You can make all the layers that, that you want. It's funny that you said that about people not from the South. Cause my husband is from Utah and his favorite, I have a couple of biscuit recipes cause I feel like he wants a biscuit to be a certain way. And it's exactly that he wants a a biscuit that can be used for sandwich uh, type biscuits. And he wants to see the flaky layers. But then since I grew up in Georgia, I feel very much like I want your biscuits. I want a biscuit I can snuggle. And then I take a bite and it just, like you said, disintegrates. It just goes away and, and kind of melts in your mouth. Like that's what I want from a biscuit. So maybe that is a very regional or just depending on where you grew up kind of thing. So yeah. Talking about rough puff versus like full puff, it's making me wonder like what it would be like if you, if you approached it, Jeremiah, like if you were using puff pastry and then tried to make like a biscuit version of puff pastry, <laughs> that sounds like a fun experiment, right? Like it that. would be fun. Yeah. And Carrie, you explained what rough puff is beautifully. It's just fold and turn, yeah. fold and turn. Yeah. With <laughs> chunks of butter instead of the big butter exactly. pat. I feel like that's the right. biggest you know, difference. Biggest difference. Yeah. Seth Hill 51 wants to know the secret to getting a crumbly and moist biscuit, which is definitely sounds like a Cali biscuit. Definitely. Um, it, it's the less that you mess with the dough, the better. And you want to add ample liquid and have a wetty dough. Um, and then you can add the flour on the outside to get it out of the bowl and just not much rolling, not a lot of pressure with the rolling pin and stamping and and we don't, we don't use the dough for biscuits past the second rollout. We use those for other things like biscuit crackers and southern churros and uh, biscuit bowls, things like that. Okay, please back up and tell me yeah. about southern churros. <laughs> I yeah. need to know more about these. Well, um, it's going to be on our new menu. In fact, today we just announced our fourth location of Hot Little Biscuit is coming to Charlotte, North Carolina. Congratulations. Congratulations, yeah. Charlotte, as well. Oh, yes, <laughs> Charlotte. oh my and gosh. We are going to have a fryer, which we're super excited about. And um, we've always made churros. Uh, southern we call them southern churros because if we ever have a tray in the bakery that doesn't isn't a full tray 
we'll take the leftover dough and roll it into a snake. And then those biscuits that didn't have an edge, didn't have a friend, they got the snake. So that gives them a little layer to protect to keep them from rising. We want them to rise high altogether. If you don't, then those biscuits on the edge kind of tend to rise in a wonky way. They kind of go sideways. <laughs> so um, we take that snake, and that's obviously our snack in the bakery, and we roll it in like melted butter and cinnamon and sugar. So we decided that that will be a great little sweet snack on our Charlotte menu because we have a fryer, and we'll just take the leftover dough and make little southern biscuit fried churros, southern cinnamon sugar churros for for our little sweet snack on the menu. So that's what that is. I shouldn't say embarrassing things, but I have chills all over my body because that sounds so good. It sounds so good. I'm dying over here. It's crunchy all over, so it's just still so crispy and crunchy. It's so delicious. Oh, my gosh. It's definitely the swoon moment of the episode. Yeah, we're both like, yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. Okay, next question is from Sugar underscore Addict again and says, can you chill your biscuit dough overnight to bake the next day? Uh, you can if you're using um, an angel biscuit recipe. And I think it's up to three days. My grandmother would keep it in, in the refrigerator. With our biscuits, because it's that self-rising leavening agent in there, we do not even let it go an hour before we're baking it. We will freeze them as soon as we finish stamping them. And then they have raw frozen pucks have about a three month shelf life. So you could stamp them and freeze them and then you'd have them on hand to bake all fresh. But we have found better results as far as longevity goes with baking them first, then freezing them and then reheating them. But the key is wrapping them in foil when you reheat them, it keeps them moist. Oh, that's, I was going to ask you, are there any tips on how to bake from frozen? And okay, our next listener question is from Patty Cakes Windsor. How many biscuits? I love that name. We have a patty cake special at Hot Little Biscuit. Ooh, what's that? I feel like I need to share it. Yeah, do it, please. It is a short cake biscuit, so it's you know got that short. It's got that pound cake texture. It's real crumbly and got a hint of vanilla. We slice it down the center. We put a sausage patty, and then put the top back on. We drizzle it with maple syrup and crumbled bacon and powdered sugar. And it is one of our most popular specials and it's all of our specials are seasonal. So it is a winter special. So we're having it right now and it is delicious. Very popular. Get it while you can. Sweet and salty magic. Oh my. Uh (laughs) I love the name Patty Cake. (laughs) I'm just happy I could read it too. (laughs) Uh, um, They want to know how many biscuits are considered polite in one sitting. They're asking for a friend. (laughs) Asking for a friend. Well, you can tell Patty Cake that my grandmother always said it was never ladylike to eat a big biscuit. So we always make little biscuits, hence the name Hot Little Biscuit. So I always say that when they're little, you can always eat more because they're small. So my husband can eat a dozen in one sitting, and I've kind of limit him to six because I think that's a little excessive to eat an entire dozen. So I think go with the smaller biscuit and then you can have anywhere from a half a dozen to a dozen, no problem in one sitting. I love that answer. <laughs> I feel wild and free now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. From geographer Baker, what's the difference between biscuits and scones? Mm, a lot, a lot. 
Well, first of all, I don't really like a scone, mainly because of that leavening agent, and I feel like they're hard and cold. I mean, I know they're not all hard and cold, but I feel like whenever you get one in a bakery, that's how they're served, which I'm always so fascinated by why they don't heat them up very often. But maybe y'all have had a different experience. And a lot of scone recipes use eggs. We don't use eggs. Um, and then that whole leavening thing that, that just gives it that, that, that aluminum taste. But I'm not a scone fan, so I'm not one. I'm kind of biased. So maybe y'all could weigh in on. Do, have you ever had a really good scone that you loved? I mean, I have British in-laws, and mm-hmm. um, I guess they've never made a scone for me. But I've had them in in the UK, and I guess I focus more on what I'm putting into the scone than how much I love the scone itself. Yeah. Um, well, that's funny that you mentioned that about the UK because I have a dear friend who's from Ireland and she made me some scones as she called them and she used self-raising flour as she as she said it so beautifully and it was the only scone that I'd really enjoyed and I felt like well if everybody made them with self-raising flour they taste a lot better and she had a savory one it was like gruyere and bacon and it was delicious um, Ooh, that so does maybe, sound it's, good. maybe it's an American thing versus a British thing. Maybe the Americans need to get on board with taking their their scones up to the the British level. And I do think that the yeah for sure the the British ones do feel more like Southern biscuits. And then we have of course in America those triangular ones that are really dry and often mm-hmm. they're filled with you know chocolate or dried fruits. And I think that's just a wholly totally different thing that doesn't resemble the the British ones at all. Mm-mm. Um. But yeah, I mean, but I'd still go Southern any day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll take the biscuit, but, but I'm with you. I feel like a, a, like if you're in England, a scone is different from like a Starbucks scone. It's a very Mm -hmm. different experience. And then weirdly, so like I said, my husband's from Utah and Utah, they do like a fried flatbread and they call those scones like Indian tacos, like Navajo tacos or um, any sort of fry bread. They call that a scone. So it's like, first let's figure out what scones are and then, and then we can decide. Yeah. I love Indian fry bread. There's just not much better, like right out of the fryer, kind of dripping with oil and that, Oh, the bubbles that it get. Oh my God. That's like one of my favorite things in life. So good. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Next question. Again, redundant. I'm skipping that one. Okay. 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 Um, from Sunday baking and it's Sunday, kind of like ice cream Sunday, S U N D A E baking. Do you have a go-to recipe or does it depend on what you're pairing it with? For biscuits? Yeah, I feel like... Let's go with you, biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I definitely have a have a go-to recipe. And I would say that I, I waver from that recipe only in changing up the, the fat and the liquid. Always stay the same with the flour. Um, and then, you know, you can add things in so you can make it sweet or savory. You can, you can get as creative as you want, but, um, I'm, my favorite biscuit is the buttermilk biscuit, even though we sell eight to nine flavors. Um, I just think it's kind of like, I don't know, it's the original, it's the OG. So <laughs> right. I'm partial to that one. With the shortcake biscuit, is that, that's what you called it, right? Mm-hmm. The sweeter, mm-hmm. is there sh- more sugar in that dough and is it a different liquid? 
It is. There's, well, first of all, in our original um, buttermilk biscuit, there's no sugar. We don't okay. put any sugar in our recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, with the shortcake, there is sugar, there's vanilla, and there's double butter and whole Ooh. milk. Because we really want you to taste that vanilla. So with the buttermilk, you really taste the buttermilk. With the whole milk, it kind of is, you know, it really lets the the vanilla shine. And the cream cheese is still in that one? No cream cheese. Double butter. Double butter. No cream cheese. Good to know. And then chubby, chub, chub. Stop it. (laughs) I did it right. I did it right. I love that. So funny. Isn't that good? They want to know. Pimento cheese or whipped honey butter? Oh, there is just no question pimento cheese. But I'm a savory sort, so I don't ever pick sweet over savory. I love pimento cheese, too. <laughs> now, Jeremiah and I are both... Oh, yeah, you probably don't we're need big it. fans. Like we're big okay. fans. We love pimento cheese, but we were hoping for our listeners that like may have just heard of this legendary brilliance. Can you Other kind of, delicacy. yeah, delicacy. That's the word I was hunting. Uh, could you describe pimento cheese just for someone who's maybe never had it? Mm-hmm. So it's in every good Southerners kitchen. I mean, it's, it's always in my refrigerator and it, it just has so many great uses, but it is the marriage of really great hand shredded cheeses and mayonnaise and roasted red peppers, i.e. pimentos, lots of different spices, literally folded together, not to even break the strands of cheese is the way we do it so that you can see the strands. I don't like a, a traditional spread or, you know, anything that's like comes together too much. I want to see all the ingredients. So um, we are very serious about our pimento cheese and we make it by hand every week in our bakery. It it has a production day set aside and we make it to order. So we love pimento cheese here, whether it's smeared on a cracker and, you know, in between the, the ribs of celery melted on a burger grilled um, with corn on the grill in the summer, um, made into queso for the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just endless ways. So, The queso idea is cool. I've never thought of that. Like, so do you melt it down and then yeah. have it smooth? I, yeah. I take yeah. our fiery that has a little kick. Um, I put it in our cat, like my smallest cast iron, put it in the oven and bake it and then serve it next to pico de gallo and chips and it's delicious. I'm so hungry. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I am too. So I was browsing your blog, and it's fantastic on the Callie's website. And are, is there a recipe on there that you'd love to highlight that you'd love our listeners to try? Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. I, I know. know what I know. What I've made lately, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, y'all probably don't get the seasons like we do. I mean, we don't even get the seasons, but you know, it's chilly here now. So all I'm thinking about is, is cold weather food. Um, so I would say, I think the queso, the, the pimento cheese queso is on the, the blog and that would be great for the upcoming Super Bowl. I think we have a new one coming out this week. That's also like a, 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 a cast iron brie appetizer with our red pepper, jam that's like a take on a mint jelly so it's a little fiery um, with toasted pecans but I am craving my Italian wedding soup right now which is always something that I have in January 
Um, and my girls and I love to make that. So I would say those three would be great. Two appetizers and a soup. Cause that's what I want to eat right now. <laughs> those sounds so I love good. that you gave us a meal basically. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> okay. So th- since we're going with the meal for dessert, the chocolate cake you have on there, I think it's a devil's food cake maybe, but it's a chocolate cake that really caught my eye. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is this the one that's lacquered and has the, this is a one from, I'm trying to remember. I think I've done a couple. Do you I have feel it? like it's like a family recipe when I read the post and then a friend makes it at her bakery, I want to say. And it was a bakery in Atlanta. It was oh. really popular. Like I know this yes. bakery and then they yeah. closed and now they do, I feel like they do mail order or special mm-hmm. order yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. It was um, the dessert place, the chocolate cake that is, you know, it's that, it's a classic recipe that, um, you know, you put the boiling water into your, your, it's a soupy cake when you make it, if you've, if you've ever done this recipe and it's not, it's not just theirs. I mean, I'm I'm sure this is a version of of the, I want to say it's probably on the back of the Hershey container. Um, not the exact recipe, but theirs, they became super famous for this recipe. It is the most moist, decadent, delicious chocolate cake, chocolate on chocolate. I have had it for, my daughters have had it for their birthday. My mom has served it. My children beg my mother to make this cake. And, um, it, you know, the dessert place is no longer in Atlanta, but at one point they had like 11 locations and the, and the daughter of, the founders started a mail order business just for the cream cheese brownies, which were super popular too. That cake should be on a pedestal on your counter every week. As far as I'm concerned, I think if I, I can't have it in my house, cause I would eat the whole thing. And I'm <laughs> like, every time I go by it, stick my pointer finger in it and swipe a little, but it's just bad. It's, it should be illegal. That's how good it is. So definitely try that one. That is not my recipe, but it is from the dessert place. And it is one of my favorite things to eat in life. (laughs) And I'm not even a sweet person. I love savory (laughs) baking more than, than sweet, but that one I would eat any day. And that would be good to serve with the Super Bowl in the soup too. Now you've really got me thinking about it. It's going to be a problem. We've that in my head all day. You've, you've planned your party now. Yes, so. <laughs> I have it. Two dips of soup and chocolate cake. I like it. Okay, I think we need to fly over to your party. Yeah. We're, we're inviting ourselves. Just tell us when and where. We're so there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, we'd love to ask you our, our sort of classic closing question, which is, if you could bake for anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And what would you bake for them? Oh my gosh. I would definitely love to bake for both of my grandmothers because neither one of them really under when they were alive, the business was still so small. So I would love to bake our biscuits and not just bake biscuits, but maybe have them for a meal because I would just love to hear what they thought of this whole thing because, you know, they grew up, biscuits were made at every meal. It's not a big deal. And the fact that we've managed to create a business around biscuits, I know their mind would be completely blown. And I hope that they're somewhere up there in the universe looking down going, oh my gosh, imagine that. We could have been, we could have done that ourselves. They would be just blown away. So I would give just about anything to, to sit at a table with them and 
and see what they had to say about this crazy biscuit business that we've created. I can only imagine they burst with pride. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I, that's so just what all I can think. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This was a ton of fun, really, really helpful. And I mean, God, I'm so hungry and I have to do, yeah, I have to get too. some white lily flour. That's what has to happen. Yeah, I got to eat my spinach salad. It's Monday. It's not going to be a very exciting eating day. No biscuits on Monday for me. <laughs> Just That's the secret to life. You've got to have a gotta, plan yep. of when you can you know. have everything in moderation. I can't eat biscuits every day. Oh, it's, that's so sad. The ebb and flow though, ebb and flow. Tim, there's a biscuit tomorrow waiting for you. Yeah, well, five more can, days till the weekend. Then I can eat biscuits again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much. Uh, I yeah. love biscuits like crazy and yours are just way high up on a pedestal for Magical. me. You're like my Aww. biscuit idol and, and it's just such a gift for us to get to talk with you. We really yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Well, y'all are too kind. Thank you so much. That that means a lot. And, you know, we're just making biscuits, not really, uh, not really understanding what, what we had done when we did it. And it's been a really fun ride and I'm looking forward to seeing where else it takes us. So it's been fun. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it.